Calling all benders and non-benders alike. Jump into the epic world of Avatar with your favorite podcast, Avatar, Braving the Elements. Hosted by me, Janet Varney. And me, Dante Bosco. Each week we'll recap and discuss a new episode. So come join us and our amazing guests from creators to cast to superfans to chat about all things Avatarverse. It's Fire Nation time. Book of Fire. Let's go. Listen to Avatar Braving the Elements wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Marvel Vision, a podcast about Marvel, the MCU, and right now the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special. I'm Alex. Oh, ho, ho, Merry Special. I'm Justin. And if you haven't already watched it on Disney Plus, please go do that because we're going to get into spoilers right now. But this is a full on Christmas special. They call it a holiday special. Let's be honest. It's straight up a Christmas special as Mantis. You don't touch on a lot of other holidays. <laughs> no, not a ton of Hanukkah stuff. There's a very, there's not even a menorah flying around here. Mm hmm. But this focuses on Drax and Mantis trying to save Christmas for Peter Quill, a.k.a. Star-Lord, who had it ruined back in the day by Yondu. So they decide to get him the perfect present. They travel back to Earth and get him Kevin Bacon. It goes predictably wrong in a terrible way. But we get some big revelations about the Guardians of the Galaxy and their continuity and their place uh, along the way. Um, before we get into specifics about the episode and how it came together, what do you think about this one, Justin? Um, it's fun. It really captures the like holiday special energy where it's like there's not a ton of like big twists and turns. It's sort of just generally nice. It's like mm-hmm. a hangout show. Um, there's some good jokes. Um, the just the the premise of uh, baked into Kevin Bacon um, being who they have to get. And the like the, the I guess the major touch point I had, I was like, genius was Kevin Bacon saved a town through dancing. Star-Lord saved the universe by dancing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought that was like super smart and really caught me off guard uh, at the, the, the great writing on that particular moment. Um, but otherwise, it's just very um, uh, light, light hanging out fun. You know, one, uh, I showed it to my kids and one of their comments was, well, that was kind of cheesy. And it occurred yeah. to me, I don't know if I mentioned I'm Jewish, right? We don't watch a lot of Christmas specials, so they're not (laughs) so they're not actually used to that. This to me is a commensurate Christmas special. Like this is exactly what you want out of a Christmas special. You want it to be heartwarming. You want it to be comforting, not necessarily too challenging. You want to get a little teary eyed Mm -hmm. by the end with the emotion. You got some shout outs with the animation at the beginning and the end that I thought was delightful and very fun and the style of the class. Star Wars holiday special, much maligned Star Wars holiday special. You got a shout yeah. out to some claymation stuff. Um, but overall, I and you've got some songs and guest stars with Kevin Bacon. So I think it hit all the touch points. And in a very similar way to Werewolf by Night, the other special presentation that Marvel Studios yeah. has done so far, this feels like the sort of thing where it's like, 
clearly this is set at a very specific place in time in the Guardians of the Galaxy's continuity. Uh, to touch on the thing that I was going to mention earlier, James Gunn apparently conceived this while they were doing Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, but then shot it during while they were making Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, presumably to double up mm-hmm. on the budget and the sets and everything like that, but also obviously it works very yeah. nicely as a bridge there from Thor Love and Thunder to where they are going to be at the beginning of that movie. But this is a long way of saying Werewolf Play Night, uh, I said with that, that feels like the sort of thing, yeah, we could have one of these every Halloween. You could watch this every Halloween if you want. It's good for that. This, you could watch it every holidays if you want. It feels very, no pun intended, very evergreen to me where you could just watch it every year Mm. and still get kind of the same emotions. It's just a fun time. I had a good time watching it. Yeah. I will say I think the cheesiness that your kids are identifying is something that like are the shows we watch now don't really do. Even the holiday specials sort of fit into the main type of storytelling that uh, whatever the show is is doing. So the fact that this stands out as cheesy is uh, like I think a generational thing. Like we always had like cheesy holiday specials growing up and uh, we need to expose these children um, to cheesiness. They're not getting enough cheese. Well, things like – This is jumping all the way to the end of the episode, but at the end of the episode, after Kevin Bacon is being taken back to Earth by Kraglin, and Kraglin gives him the little speech you talked about earlier about how Star-Lord looked up to Kevin Bacon, looked at him as the great hero, even saved the universe because of them, and then he calls Kira Sedgwick, or Kira Sedgwick calls him on the phone, and he says, you know, there's somebody who needs to learn a little something about Christmas. And watching yeah. that from our modern perspective, I was like, oh, there's going to be a twist here. Something real fucked up's going to happen. And it didn't. Yeah. He <laughs> performs a song. <laughs> it's very sweet. The, the fucked up thing was that he played a Kevin Bacon original song, maybe. I mean, mm-hmm. I did not do any research on this, but that song, I was like, this isn't a known Christmas song. Well, particularly, and I know we're jumping all over Bacon the place Brothers here. Bacon Brothers Ridge? There's a bunch of songs throughout the episode. The opening song... The one that I believe the bad is the old 97s perform, which was co-written by James Gunn that they performed for Peter Quill. So funny and so good. It has been stuck in my head since I listened to it. Uh, That is perfect. Like that is a perfect Guardians of the Galaxy holiday song to your point. Having Kevin Bacon be like, yeah, I'm just doing a Christmas song at the end. I was like, "Ah, this is is not as good. But I also think that, that I feel like when they put this together, they've said they started with, all right, what makes a Christmas special? And it's like big guest star, um, dumb slash interesting songs uh, and then heartfelt moments throughout one little lesson learning moment. And, and like and they had that on the table and they just threaded the needle with our our characters Cause to, to jump back to the beginning. Um, I was surprised by they were like, well, we run nowhere now, so we have to do this thing. And I was like, oh, they're really like putting us into the continuity in a way that I didn't um, expect them to do or really need them to do. Um, I guess that explains why they spend the whole time there. Um, but and we should um, shout out to um, Pete LePage, who the, he used to do this show with us. Yeah, you know, I don't know. I like don't know where he is. Place. I think he died of happiness after watching the holiday special, something like that, because they had. Yeah. And I'm sure you're about yeah. to tee this up. A very special Marvel flip. Marvel flip with snow. <laughs> snow and comics. Snow. There was also there were classic yeah. Marvel Christmas comics throughout the Marvel flip before they went to a snowy Captain America, among other things. Very sweet. Very fun. Yeah. I did. Uh, normally, I drives me up the wall having to talk about the Marvel flip every episode. This was a fun one. It was good. 
Nice well, time. we didn't because there's less shouting. I have less of a chip on my shoulder. I don't have a, a chip flip. A flip so chip, that is. speaking um, of that, actually, I think that's a nice tee up for something that I'll throw out that I also really enjoyed about the special. Maybe this will be controversial to some people. I really don't think it is. This was better mm-hmm. than Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 to be. And the reason is Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 the humor is a little crasser and meter and louder. And particularly there's like a mm. lot of shouting and calling people idiots in a very sharp way. Right. And so I came in ready for more of that. Instead, you have the same sort of thing where, yes, there is shouting. Mantis calls Drax yeah. an idiot, I think several times, but the way that Palm Clementef in particular shouts there's a there's a level it's to a her voice. It's a gentle shouting, exactly, and it's much funnier. Like it gets the humor across. The humor was moderated correctly here, where it wasn't to that movie, and I was very pleasantly surprised. Yeah, I mean, it, the portions of this there was like the buddy comedy, buddy road movie um, with uh, Drax and Mantis were really fun, and the soundtrack of her sort of gently shouting and him just laughing maniacally, like through the whole back half of the, them kidnapping Kevin Bacon, he's just laughing through the entire thing, mm-hmm. and it, it's fun. Like, uh, so I hear you. This definitely felt like it was sort of taking care of the crowd a little bit, um, which I thought was cool. I think it's also we've seen. Peter Quill be sort of a bummer for now the last three times we've seen him. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Which is interesting, uh, sort of. I, I, at this point, I'm like, okay, we need to break out of this a little bit. And I like where we end up emotionally with him that we can get to in a minute. But when we started, I was like, geez, Chris Pratt, fresh off the Mario controversy. He's looking rough. There. I was very struck because Chris Pat has become a controversial figure online for sure. People really, really hating on him and finding him bland and boring, bland and boring, excuse me. And I'm not going to fight against that necessarily because I've certainly got that feeling as well. Mm-hmm. But what I was really struck by here is his transformation from, to use comedy terms, crazy man back at like Parks and Rec or even the first Guardians of the Galaxy where he was the weirdo, where everybody yeah. was like, what are you doing, uh-huh. you weirdo? And now he is straight up the straight man in this episode. He's the yeah. one that everybody's reacting to. He's, a, he's shutting it down. He's Captain America-esque mm-hmm. in the way that everyone is just reacting around him, trying to like be like, he's, you know, he's square. He's not going to get it. What, what do you think? Do we need to do we need Chris Pratt as Star Lord at the very least to get back to being that weirdo he was in the first movie? It sounds like that's kind of what you want. Yeah, and I'm curious for the larger sort of uh, super story of the Marvel universe. Are we going to get him chasing an alternate universe, Gamora, in three in Guardians three, and that be sort of a, a main? storyline as we get into like secret wars and all that like it feels like he is so still so down about that and and not able to move past it that that almost has to be the main driver for him the fact that we he we've let that character be that way all this time means to me and i'm sort of surprised by that that makes the whole story of the mcu sort of pinned on peter quill messing up during thanos Gamora getting killed and now him trying to make peace with that. Yeah. I guess we'll see. The other thing, though, is there's the big revelation in this episode beyond laying in the nowhere thing. The biggest 
uh, emotional crux of it is that Mantis, it turns out, is Peter Quill's sister. And my impression yeah. of the way they played that is everybody is putting their feelings on Star-Lord. They're like, oh, Kraglin tells this story about Yondu ruining Christmas forever and ruining it for Peter Quill. We later find out that, no, it didn't actually. It bonded Yondu and Star-Lord even closer. Mantis is very scared. And it's very cute. That's how he got his guns. That's how Yondu got the little figurine. And Mantis is very scared to... Tell Star-Lord, oh, uh, your dad who killed your mom is also my dad. She thinks that's going to be a terrible thing, but it turns out to be a great thing. So a little bit of it is maybe he's moping around, but more everybody seems to think he's moping around when maybe he's actually okay, you know? I don't know. I guess we'll have to see. Well, no, that's a great point. And it also makes me think, like, the first movie was all about his feelings, and we were very much riding with him throughout it. And now we've we've pulled back, and we're just through uh, Avengers Endgame and uh, Infinity War. We were very much like, this guy's messing it up. We were looking at him, and we haven't really transitioned back to being in in his head. And I imagine that's where we're going to get in Guardians 3. Yeah, I guess we'll have to see about that. A couple of other things that get teed up here. I'm going to look up her name because I always get it wrong. But Maria Bakalova, is that how you pronounce it? Who was in Borat 2. She does the voice of Cosmo, the Russian cosmonaut dog who we saw escape from the collector's collection in the first movie, I think. And finally shows up here, voiced by her. It's a telekinetic dog, has a relationship with Rocket Raccoon. I thought this was a very fun addition to the team, a great character for the comics, and I like the spin out of it. Uh, how'd you feel? Agreed. Like, we don't get a ton of time with the, the non-Mantis Drax and um, Star-Lord Guardians. Um, but I like, I really like the Rocket, Cosmo, Hang here. Groot's all grown up, which is fun. Um, I'm not, I'm not totally sold on yoked Groot, you know, like going from the uh, skinny tree dude that he was in Infinity War and Endgame to being like jacked. It, it, it looks a little weird to me. Are you on board with it? It it does look a little weird, but he might grow out of it. You know, mm-hmm. he's yeah. uh, he's like in, in some sort of a teen or tween. Uh, I think think they refer to him as a teen, but I have to imagine at this point it's like 16, 17, something like that. Like he's starting to get interested in, you know, the opposite sex. He's working out at the gym a lot, trying to get yoked on the football team. Maybe, maybe he takes you under the bleachers, slowly cups your face and kisses you ever so lightly on the mouth, works Mm -hmm. his hand down your, Oh, I'm sorry. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) I'm working on some, uh, you, it's not a separate project. You are um, you are Groot in a way. Yeah, I, I am Groot. I'm feeling very Groot right now. A couple of other things while we're talking about the other characters, little moments here. Like you said, there's not a ton of them, but two things with Rocket in particular. I uh, loved the whoa, 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 calm down with uh, everybody leave Kevin Bacon alone. And then Kevin Bacon says a talking raccoon. He immediately jumps into, I'll kill you. Yeah. Grabbing him out of the air. Very funny. Also great callback with Nebula gifting him Bucky's arm. That was very, yeah, that was really fun. Nebula is just, you know, as you talk about 
Star-Lord becoming a straight man. Nebula is just a joke machine. She's mm-hmm. just all comedy all the time. I love how intense she, like, at the end, she's like, I guess not all actors are pieces of shit. Like, <laughs> you know, that line reading is so bracing. It's like a glass of cold water in the face. This is making too much of connection between things, but when I heard that line, my mind instantly went to the whole flap that's been going on online with Quentin Tarantino's statements about how Marvel superhero oh, yeah. Actors aren't the actual stars, it's the characters, which kind of has a point there. Like, not, you know, it feels very like, why are you bringing it into into the debate? I don't know, but it was very funny to see people flipping out about that Quentin Tarantino quote and then watching this where there's a whole running joke about what pieces of shit actors are. Yeah, that's all. Uh, but yeah, she was great. Uh, and one other one. thing uh, that I just wanted to throw out before I forget, uh, there's a very quick shot of her very intensely and angrily dancing to the band at the end. Yeah. Very fun as well. Yeah. It's great. She's working on all levels. I was just going to say the whole thing with like online debates like that about like this uh, characters are the stars. Really both are, like the characters are like the lead, but some of the movies are there for the actor too. Also mm-hmm. different audiences go for different things and you need both inherently. Otherwise you don't have a movie that will um, appeal to the largest number of people possible, which is literally the entire point. Yeah. There you go. Uh, what else can we shout out here? We mentioned most of the um, characters. Uh, yeah. Go ahead, Justin. I want to talk Yandu for a second here mm-hmm. um, because mm-hmm. who knew that Yandu is going to be become this like emotional touchstone character through all these movies now and now this special like we get again Yandu being this like soft hearted person who like uh, really takes care of this he's the dad that Peter Quill never really got and I was I just always Michael Rooker playing the the role he's such a sandpaper voiced dude and the fact that he's mm-hmm. become this one of the most emotional characters in the MCU is just funny to me it's great I love how they played it out I loved how they played it out through the animation which is very purposely cheesy and like I mentioned before is the shout out to the Star Wars holiday special uh, it's great to have him back and it's a great way of bringing him back without necessarily having the actor involved. I know that James Gunn loves working with Michael Rooker. Uh, before I forget, he also brings in Flula Borg very briefly as a bartender who yeah. showed up as Javelin, if I remember correctly, in The Suicide Squad, which brings us to another quick Flula. topic. After Eternals did this, we once again get a reference to I Batman. Know. I going to bring this up. In the MCU. Don't like it. It's very weird. It's very weird. It feels like a flex, especially with James Gunn now working at DC. It's sort of like that makes it even weirder. Now, that was probably not um, a a thing that was happening when this line was put in there. So um, so not to be uh, conspiracy theorizing about it, but I I just agree with you. Like, it's so weird. All the Superman stuff and Eternals, the Batman stuff. It feels like a flex. It feels like they're like, uh, we're not. It's like they're so JV, we don't have, we can say the name of their characters mm-hmm. and not even worry about the competition, which is like it's like it's picking on like uh, your little brother in front of your friends. It's like get out of here with that. I don't need it. And I don't like it. My problem with it, and I think we talked about this with Eternals as well, and I know this is a very specific nerd brain problem, but I start thinking about how do they know about Batman? 
in the yeah. MCU, are there Batman comics? Is there are there Batman movies? Is there a Batman TV show? Does Batman actually exist and work out of Gotham City, which is the MCU? So, like, there's too many questions there beyond the fact yeah. of like why. Let's say, sake of argument, they have the same level of Batman fiction that they do here in our world. Why do they have that? They have actual superheroes. Well, How does that work? And I guess you could say that in the Marvel Universe, DC comics are a thing. That's how they know about Batman. Mm-hmm. But Marvel comics probably aren't. So in a way, in the Marvel Universe, DC comics are way more successful than Marvel comics. <laughs> uh, or they're way more successful than they are here on the in our world. So if anything, they're really damaging um, the Marvel brand over the, in their own universe. It's just strange. It's something that, like, it is special that otherwise I'm enjoying. It distracts me a little bit, and I don't want to be distracted about yeah. thing, thinking about things externally from what I'm watching at the current time. Maybe regular viewers have no problem with this because, honestly, both people are like, oh, Batman, when is he going to join the Avengers? So they probably don't yeah. care. But I care. I care yeah, a lot. That's right. And that's what this podcast is all about. Our petty grievances. <laughs> um, and here's another one. Um, we established that the GoBots are a thing in the Marvel Universe in this, which yes. I thought was funny as well. That So that is one. And this is where, like, I think you get a comedy line there, right? Like, the Batman yeah, reference uh-huh. is fine. The GoBot thing, the I totally joke. agree with you. It's the same thing. I'm like, wait, they have GoBots and they watch GoBots here? But it's so funny that GoBots yeah. killed Drax's father? Is that what the yeah. thing is? And That's then the implication. The GoBots the- are real. <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> it's, it, it, that's how you get past this stuff, is by making it ludicrously funny. It made me laugh out loud when I heard yeah. that line. The cut to Drax beating the shit out of the GoBot about a minute later, also very funny. That's how you excuse that stuff. Yeah. Very fun, and I. Uh, and the other implication here is that GoBots beat out Transformers. That's maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, are we saying that's a pivot point in the Marvel universe and led to the age of superheroes? And in our universe, we chose Transformers over GoBots, so we don't get heroes. Oh man, I want to go back better. in time. I want to fix that. We got to change. GoBots that. were Go-Bot, better anyway. They were. I agree. Absolutely. Yeah. A couple of other jokes uh, that I'll shout out there. I'm looking up the name. I'm definitely going to mispronounce it. But the very casual way that Star-Lord, when he sees the guy in the band, he's like, oh, hey there, Bazer Mikoto Takaluk, or whatever his name is. Just like very quickly. That made me laugh out loud. The whole setup there. I think that guy, uh, that's uh, Rhett Miller. And I think Mm -hmm. the band is the old 97s. They did a great job just being like walking this line of we're clearly needling Star-Lord, but doing it in a way where we're doing it very friendly. Very fun. Yeah. That bit was very fun. Light roasting. I also uh, appreciated the fact that Mantis and Drax went to Earth and committed so many crimes, which yeah. you kind of forget they're not actually heroes. Like, they walked the line, and that was the yeah. whole point of it. Like... They started as criminals. They end the first movie being like, do you want to do something bad, something good, a little bit of both? That's the line at the end there. And here, they rob people. They kidnap Kevin Bacon. They beat up police officers. A lot of stuff going down. Um, But fun. Yes. Any other moments you wanted to call out in particular, Justin? I think that hit all of mine um, uh, for the... 
for the the show. All right. Um, great sweaters and um, the the way they emphasized Kyra Sedgwick throughout this, I thought was just a funny like, no, look, we did it. I was like, okay, <laughs> we get it. Uh, that was very fun. The last one that I wanted to call out was the whole bit with Drax and Mantis stealing the stuff from Kevin Bacon's yard and Drax being so focused on the mm. weird little man. I thought that was very fun. Yeah. Him thinking a candy cane was a man was very fun. And then Mantis's check-in with the police officers after she goes to make sure they're alive. Be like, hey, here's this. And then the pause. And then that doesn't look like a man to you, right? And the way she sells that line <laughs> is like, Clearly, she wasn't sure about this. It, yeah, is great. It just, I think everybody was having a delightful time, and ultimately, that's what I want out of a holiday special. So, good stuff. I think that's a great point to sum it up. They're having a good time. It seems like they're having a good time making it, and that lets us have a good time watching it. Um, and what more can you ask for at this time of year? Exactly. Before we wrap up here, why don't we go to our vision board? What do you want for Christmas? I'm kidding. Uh, what do you oh, want to see nice. off of this? And I know we touched on it a little bit. What do you want to see either from Marvel special presentations, Guardians of the Galaxy, etc.? I want more of these. These operate as one shots um, from the comic book world, which is some of my favorite stories um, growing up reading comics. So I, I, I would do these seasonally or a quarterly, however you want to refer to the passage of time, whether you're into money or uh, love. Um, but uh, make your make your choice. Uh, so I, I think, and I think they're working. I think they're giving people that just additional dimension that doesn't feel so deliberate and like tied up into the major story in a phase that doesn't seem to have a major story. These were um, bright spots for me. And going forward, the Guardians, I want to sort of get Chris Pratt um, to finish mourning Gamora and figure out what his next move in. Uh, is in general, or uh, move inexorably toward um, trying to find another Gamora in uh, down the multiversal track. Totally agree with all that. Very excited for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 now. I have said this before, but I was a little hesitant after Volume 2 because it is not my favorite source of humor in the MCU, but this is very encouraging in terms of the direction, so I'm very excited about that. And totally agree with you about the specials coming up. Let's have a Valentine's Day special, some sort of romance of the MCU. That sounds great. And then we got to have a classic summer special, like the old uh, Marvel swimsuit specials back in the day. Have everybody have a beach (laughs) adventure or something, you know? Yeah. Punisher. That's a great way to bring back Punisher, John Bernthal, in that classic Uh, skull gun swimsuit. Yeah. Yes. That's great. Or we could do like a Battle of the Network star style um, uh, summer uh, fight between our favorite soups. Uh, any way they want to go, I am there. And if you would like to support us, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to Crowdcast on YouTube. Come hang out. We love to chat with you about the MCU. Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe, listen, and follow the podcast at Marvel Vision Pod on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and many more. Until next time, stay marvelous. Stay holiday delicious. Ho, ho. Mm. Oh.